Good morning and welcome podcasters to Sexplosion. My name is Caroline Shenyer and I'm your coach on all things intimacy, relationship, sex and superconsciousness. This is my podcast teaching you about how to sexually liberate yourself to be confident, spicy and fun around intimacy and sex, along with learning about how to build a great foundation for strong, long-lasting and passionate relationships. It is unfiltered, uncensored and extremely unexpected. Today's topic is all about sex growing up. My wonderful guest, Marilyn Burt, has been on before and we were talking about sexuality at work. But we've both both had an upbringing uh, which is of a religious nature. So we're going to be discussing sex growing up, what it was like and how the effects of this exposure shapes our lives. So welcome once again to Marilyn. Thank you for coming again. Welcome. Hello. Nice to be here. (laughs) Great to get back on the subject again. (laughs) Okay, so last time we were here, Marilyn, you had quite a lot more that you wanted to say. Our our time on Sexplosion the last time wasn't long enough to discuss everything that you wanted to discuss about this. So I'd like you to please start by telling us what was it that you were dying to say about sex and growing up? Yeah, I just... um... So we're talking about sex in the workplace and affairs and um, and how, you know, you can get into relationships in the workplace. And so the workplace for me comes directly after being at school. Like, well, obviously, sorry, I went to university as well. But if I think about it, that's a higher education, it's still sort of an education system. So we're kind of always in a group situation, if you know what I mean, or a situation where your colleagues, students, whatever it might be. And because we spend a lot of our time in these places, we generally find that we'll get attracted to people or we'll start, you know, talking to people and, you know, the sexuality aspects come into your life wherever you are. You can't avoid it. It's part of who we are type thing. Um, And so for me, I went to uh, Catholic schools all of my life. And so my first part of my education was in a private school. Um, a private in Australia means um, it's paid for. It's not like public. I think I think it's the opposite way around here in England. Um, so private. I had private education at a Catholic primary school, which was grade one to grade seven. So till you're about 12 years old before you go into high school. And we only have sort of a two-part system in Australia. And the second um, six or seven, six, well, it's actually five years of high school in Queensland um, is I went to a private school, girls only though. And so that was real differentiator in myself, my upbringing, you know, what I was allowed to do, what, um, what was expected of me even. Um, and and equally, like not being with people, like when you go to university and work, like boys or whichever sex you're oriented towards, makes it difficult to have a, a probably a, an a effective baseline to create a relationship from maybe. And I think there's limitations there that we'll get onto as we talk about today, what that, the impact of what that was growing up as an adolescent in a Catholic environment. Yeah, see... I went to Sunday school um, until I was about 11 years old and, you know, sex wasn't even talked about. However, what is really strange is that I learned that it was dirty. I learned that it's not something that you talk about. And I learned that I don't know how, but obviously as a child, as a, as a what, a four-year-old child, in my mind, I made a decision that you're not allowed to enjoy it either. So, of course, I'd be doing it and thinking, oh, I'm not, you know, unconsciously thinking, oh, I'm not really supposed to be doing this. I'm not supposed to mm. be, you know. And, of course, it was all supposed to be sex before marriage as well. Um, of course, I just, I ignored that because I, I actually thought that was ridiculous. But, um, you know, how, how can you possibly, well, I say that I know there are a lot of religions where, you're not allowed to have any sex before you're actually married, you know, like in the Indian culture, for example. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, how how could I possibly marry someone without testing them out? It's like anything. You buy a car, you test it first, don't you? 
And, that, and some of that is also related to maybe the time that we grew up as well, because sexuality has become a little bit more open in society and conversation, I think, and, and, and people are more aware that, you know, we need to talk about the things that were taboo in those days. And so, you know, I grew up in the 70s and and my parents were older generation as well. They had me late in, well, my mum was older when I was born. She was almost 40, you know, so um, some of those things, like mum being Catholic, my dad wasn't Catholic, but my mum was. And so her values from her family come forward with her about, you know, bringing up a child and bringing, you know, how to parent a child, how to keep the child in the the guardrails of a Catholic religion um, and also how to stay on the strictness that they were brought up with. My mum was born in um, 1932 and so they grew up through the depression as well. So there was, it was very strict. Their, their parents were very strict. My parents were strict as well. So those type of, um, I guess, strict guidelines and rules prevent you from actually being free, from being able to be liberated, like we were just talking about, and prevent you from even talking about subjects. It's just like, you just don't do this. Like yeah. you said, even at school, it's like, you know, it's forbidden. It's like, it's not, don't go there, don't have this discussion. And and therefore, you don't have an awareness of what to do and an expectation of, of that you can enjoy it. No, and you know what's really interesting is that in our school, in our um, junior school so that's from seven years old to ten years old before going to the big school there was this table tennis table and we were nine and ten at the time and I don't know what it was about that time but when you went under the table tennis table you kissed you people would snog right yeah. under the, you know, the tongues and everything you know it's a, it's a real time for exploration for children in general I think and so I remember actually at seven years old uh experimenting with my best friend like kissing on the lips and we just we just went like that to see what it felt like and that mm. was the first time I'd mm. kissed anybody and it's funny it's my friend you know now now you know I did and I didn't even think about it should be a man or anything like that you know for then no it was just it was just playing it was like testing and then the next time was this under the table tennis table and I remember because you're not supposed to do stuff like that I wouldn't go under there and they they were dragging me the boys used to try and drag me under there. And I was like, no way, I'm no way I'd go there. And I remember when I was 13 years old, we went to a party um, and I remember the mother was quite, um, she was not a drug addict, but she did take drugs. And, um, I, but she didn't appear to be a drug addict, but I think she had problems that, that it was kind of masking her problems. She drank as well. So she let us all do whatever we wanted to do. And I remember I went deliberately with a pair of jeans. You know, tight jeans you know with a zip and everything you know I want, uh, I want to make sure that zip was up I, I don't know why I would think that but I tell you what there was one room where everybody was going into and coming out going oh like that and I knew what was going on in there and there was no way on this earth I was going to go in that room you know and I never knew what was going on but the older sister of the girl whose party it was was in there and um and I just thought you know so so I was, I was like thinking, God, I'm keeping my zip up. It's like it's, it was ingrained in me mm. that this was a bad thing. Isn't that just? And I tell you what, Marilyn, I've, uh, I've got TikTok. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and very proud to say I'm now number one. I'm the number one intimacy coach on TikTok with nearly seventeen thousand followers. You know, and it's incredible. And the point of me telling you that is because. I am very frank on that channel and uh, I say it as it is and I'm uh, and considering it was something that was so taboo and we never spoke about it I'm actually the complete opposite now and I'm and I speak my truth and what I'm coming to here is that um I uh talked about self-orgasm and I was saying that at seven years old, I um, was in a swimming pool um, because our school had put a new swimming pool in. I was going around the edge like that. And suddenly there's a jet of water that came out and it felt really nice, Marilyn. I just mm. thought, ooh, and it came and it got to the point it was like, oh, it was all like this. And I was only seven years old, but I had no idea what, mm. what was going on. Mm. I just knew it was a very amazing feeling. And it's only years later I realized it was an orgasm. 
And uh, and so people on the channel, uh, uh, I mean, most people are saying, oh, yeah, God, that happened to me. Some people were younger, some people were eight years old, but some people are saying, nah, you couldn't have been seven. Nah, that's not, that's not true or whatever. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, it is true. And it did happen to me. But yeah, it's not something that I thought was bad, isn't it? So... Yeah, you see what I mean? Because it's an actual thing, and 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 because we never talked about sex, I didn't even think that was something that was was supposed to be to do with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and interesting you say that because I mean one of the things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about this subject as well is like when you are at school and and you touched on it yourself earlier about the tennis table, a uh, table tennis, and um, when you I remember also being at our primary school, which is junior school here, is you did get go out with someone there was boyfriends and girlfriends or you did kiss at behind the school thing or whatever there there was this yeah you did go to a place to try to kiss or to test it out it was like and you had and it became a it became a thing as in like if you hadn't kissed you were almost like picked on by other kids kind of thing so you were kind of very much under this peer pressure to start trying to experience these things, even though we were all aware of it. So even as little children, we were, you know, around wanting to kiss or wanting to try it. So, and, you know, I, we didn't have TV when I, back in those days uh, in the early part of my school. So where did that come from? Like it's innate in us as humans and touching and, or maybe you see adults doing it as well when you're, when you're a small child. So it's not something like, I think our society, our culture, our religions have said, you can't do this till you hit a certain age. There there was like limitations put on what you can and can't do. Whereas the natural way of experiencing things actually just happens and it happens at different times in your life. And I think that's what parents probably need to be more prepared for is that we we all are here predominantly like to have children like that's the how the species is going to continue it's the same as all the animal kingdom as well right so but we've created these rules in society that says this is what you can and can't do mm-hmm. and this is how you will experience sex and this is what a woman and then expectation of a woman is and 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 even at school like we were taught in primary school you need to represent the school so whether that be within the school or outside of the school so no kissing no meeting people no hanging out in street corners no like there were all these things about not congregating as a group or you know having holding hands or being seen in public doing things that might bring some reputational damage back to the school but kids will be kids you're sitting on a bus you hold hands kids hold hands playing in the playground you know just generally like groups or whatever so naturally you're starting to experience holding hands with a a boy not just another you know, a girl or what, yeah, it's different orientations nowadays, you know, so whatever you feel like you, you're, you're attracted to, but you know, yeah. So those, yeah, those things are there, like sort of telling us it's bad. Like you said, it's not, you're, you're not allowed to do it. And, and that whole, that, that whole fear of having that discussion as a parent and a child, or even in a school kind of like, it's such a problem because we're going to do it anyway as children we're going to try and experience and and get into situations and being unprepared because we're scared to talk about it is actually the downfall that we have because we're not supporting our younger generations not at all and um uh two things there the first thing is that kissing was not taboo was it i mean it was on telly you know on films so so that seems to be okay but mm. I'll tell you I'll tell you um uh, one of my customers obviously I'm not going to mention who they are but what happened there was that he was somebody that was switched off and what I mean by that is that he never wanted to do it with his you know he had a, he had his, his divorce twice um and both times it was apart from his ego like sabotaging the relationship one of it is that he just didn't want to do it wouldn't do it and it was like he was it was he didn't have any sex in him at all and when I delved into his background and memories this is what happened so he was seven years old he was experimenting like we were just talking about with kissing and he kissed a girl he was seven so it was just like I was describing with my friend and all his like friends were around him going ooh you were flirting like that he didn't know what flirting meant but he knew it was something like really good so he went back home he spoke to his mum he said mum mum 
I kissed a girl today. She said, no, 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 he didn't say it. He said, I flirted with a girl today. She said, you did what? Don't you dare do that. And she berated him. And she absolutely annihilated him. And from that moment onwards, he would never look at girls. He would never speak to girls in that way. He would never, ever. So when it came to his relationship, he was told he wasn't supposed to do that. But he didn't know that he could switch it back on again when he's in a relationship. So literally, it's like he switched something off. And then it would never, ever come back again. And to this day, this man has a lot of trouble. When he, work, when he works on his childhood experiences, when he does his meditations, that it comes back. He can't even come. can't even come. He can go for, he can go for a long time and not mm. come. It doesn't hurt him either. But it's, it's a real shame because, you know, it, he will never ask. He will never ask. He waits for, you know, and his poor wives, they went off. And it's to the point... Well, he can't even have children. So you yeah. can't have children. It's, like, it's almost like he switched everything off. Um, so that's very sad, isn't it? And that is purely down to mm. one incident where he was told off for flirting. Yeah. And, and I think that's the damage that we, we need to recognise. You know, that there's lots of, um, I guess, programmes, or certainly I, I know like Dr. Rada here on Radio 1, I think it is, where they have a Sunday session and they allow students like that it's in, for inviting students and people to come on and ask questions about sexuality and stuff so, so people love those things like you're talking about on TikTok as well I assume a lot of your followers are actually quite young as well and and they're looking no, they're all for ages. people uh, yeah of course but there will be a portion of people that are young as well yeah, and when yeah, you're yeah. young you're looking for role models or you're you're looking for people that can give you information or guidance or their experiences you know like for me also you talk about um self-orgasms earlier and because of the way I was brought up I was basically uh taught you know like we talked about how sex is bad and not in you don't enjoy it as a woman it's it's a it was not a pleasurable thing there was no me in my you know enjoyment of sexuality in the very beginning of time because it's not what we were taught we were allowed to do we were taught we were there for business almost rather than that we're it's for enjoyment for women it's enjoyment for men that was how it kind of was in those days yeah same and so you know there wasn't any in my early years there wasn't any self-orgasms and that sort of stuff I didn't touch myself there wasn't you know any encouragement or learning to explore my own body you know so that's another I guess thing symptom of what occurred and so that came later but that also did in my relationships mean that I'm not a person who's been the instigator I'll wait like you were just talking about this other friend I'll wait for that to happen to me rather than for me to ask for sex or want to have desires to start sex or start you know in intimacy in a relationship or even asking for what you want because you're feeling too that you're not supposed to. You're not it's not it's not supposed to be something for pleasure. It's like it's only for children and that you're only allowed to do it for children, but it's not supposed to be a pleasurable thing. Um but I do remember reading once about um I think it was in the eighteen hundreds, if a wife didn't climax then she couldn't get pregnant. So they'd take the wives to the doctor and the doctor would make her come. If she could come, then she was able to have children. Did you hear about that one? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, what, touching on what you were saying earlier, see, so because we are not allowed mm. to uh, ask questions or, or we're not encouraged, what happens then is that we end up going through life just excuse the expression, sucking it and see because you don't you don't even realise what your own body is capable of doing. So yeah, like you're saying, you know, a lot of people don't self orgasm. They don't because it's supposed to be you know like they say uh, men would go blind if they masturbated. Um, and I do remember once, um, Marilyn, I've got to tell you this. I was with this young model once for a while. I was 49 and I was fifth. I remember I was my 50th birthday. I was I was with him and it, it finished short after that. I was only with him for six months, but he was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and I remember once uh, I was I was doing doing him like going down on him. Yeah. And, um, and honestly, a 22 year old young man. I mean, you know, and a, you know, experienced woman like me. Obviously, he was having a nice time. And then at the end of it, he goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't see, I can't see. I said, what do you mean you can't see? He goes, oh, no, it's okay, now I can see. And so, basically, his eyes, he'd been, like, like, squeezing his eyes so hard that he couldn't see anymore. And so, in actual fact, that wise old wife's tale is probably true because they squeeze their eyes so much. 
<laughs> that was very funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that was really that was just very interesting. But yeah. So so going back to what I was saying. So so what happens is is that we end up just working through life and just not necessarily experimenting, but finding stuff out as you go along with different people. Um, it's the same for men, you know, it's not just women, it's the same for men. I mean, yeah, they, they have got more of a license to be able to go out and do what they do. But again, they don't know the woman's body. They don't, because we don't get taught things like the erogenous zones at school. We don't get taught that if you touch around the neck, it's really nice. You just find out by accident or someone tells you. But you see, it's one of those things where I didn't even know about female ejaculation till I was, what, 46 years old? It's like, what's all that about? Why Why aren't we taught about stuff like that before? It's so unfair. Yeah. You know, I missed out for so many years. Gosh, I just remembered now, like even at university, like when you're, you know, with in a relationship or experiencing things with people, videos, you, you could get, you know, videos in the early days of sexual ex- encounters, experiences, porn, we call it today, you know, so it was porn. Debbie Does Dallas was one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's like you learned by seeing yeah. other, experience, other things happening or, you know, other – and maybe on TV you're talking about touching on the neck or, you know, in, in certain zones that, you know, trigger some re- reaction and response in an individual – and um, you learn by seeing on TV. So if we're not talking about it, if children are not being taught about it, where do you go to find out? You go to pornography sites, you go to places like magazines and you're relying on things that maybe don't give people necessarily a fully balanced view because they might be, I mean, that's that, that's probably subjective really, but you know, what is a balanced view? Because actually sexuality can take you in a whole heap of different directions, but it starts like, I guess, from exploring. And that's what we're doing when we're children and teenagers, we're exploring exploring and learning and you're wanting to have that first kiss yeah and um but the thing is is that what what i remember sitting on a beach in uh, south africa and there were these young 20 year old girls there's in between 18 and 26 and um we were talking about boyfriends or something and i don't know how it came about because i talk about this stuff this is before i was a what i do now so i was taught i've been talking like this for years you know way before i I've started doing it as a career. And these girls were sitting there like that on the beach, absolutely fascinated. They were saying, we squirt. <laughs> My mum has never told me that. I said, well, your mum won't tell you that because it's not the sort of thing we learn. Oh, yeah, I remembered what I was going to mm-hmm. say. So, yeah, talking about the porn films, you see, mm-hmm. I get a lot of messages from women and men from India in a blind panic because they've been told they're getting they're getting married in four months time and these people uh, the ones I've spoken to anyway have never really spoken in a flirty way to a woman they've never kissed a woman never had anything with a woman and so what they do I remember this woman she wrote to me in a very broken English she said do I do do boobies and I said what what do you mean what do you mean? She says, do, do, I, do I let them touch my boobies like in the films? And I said, oh, my goodness, you're talking about porn films. No, no, it, that's not how it is. You see, that's what's wrong. Because we don't educate from young, and I don't mean young child. I mean, like, mm. if, you know, generally just talking openly about what's natural between mm. a man and a woman and our bodies. They think porn films that's the way it is and she was like you know that's just hard sex isn't it it's just hard it's not and romantic it's not gentle it's not you know oh let's you know see what you like let's see what I like it's none of that and I think that you know it's such a shame for people because they all learn the wrong way especially Mm. kids you know they're looking at these porn films and there's an expectation now as well, an expectation with size, expectation with bodies, expectation with how it should look down there. I don't know if you've seen that uh, sculpture called the Great Wall of Vagina, right? This man sculptured. Now, when I say sculpt, what I mean that by is that he did plaster casts of women's vaginas, pussies, yeah. 400 of them. And they're all on a, on a great big thing. And you know what? They look nothing like the ones you see in porno films. They are mm. all... I think I saw one pussy 
that was mm. exactly like the beautiful ones that you see in porn films. And so even that isn't correct, is it? And I tell you what, there are all sorts of shapes and sizes, you know. I And nobody looks at their own bits, do they? Because it's not... How many of you get a mirror and have a look down there? You know, unless there's something wrong, you might look down there. But I mean, otherwise, you'd never look down there. So when you see this great wall of, of vaginas, you think, wow, you know. And I'm not saying that we should all be shown a load of pussies. But what I'm trying to say is that it was quite shocking seeing that... I had never seen that many different types of, you know, it's a perfectly natural thing. And the amount of women that have their bits um, sculptured, um, the inner lips sculptured because they don't like it. But you see, it's because we watch porn films and we see mm. them all beautiful that, that they think that's the way it should be. And it's not. It's shocking, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not a great place for education, but there's interesting stuff there as well. But it is fun and it is, you, know, you can incorporate that into your sexual relationships and your Yeah, fun. Well. Yeah, exactly. And, it you know, it just gives you that little bit of spice that you were talking about earlier sometimes too, depending on, you know, if you and your partner are open to it. And, you know, and that, again, like you said, it's an open and discussion about whether or not that's what you want to do and the kind of role that you want to the road that you want to go down um and I do and I do enjoy it but it, you don't I don't do it every time like sex is different every time you have sex you know it's like you're not always going oh, so let me caveat that because I would actually say I think if you're doing that you maybe like need to recognize if that's what you do every time that there's something missing i.e are you allowing yourself to enjoy it or are you relying on something external to actually stimulate you in order to be able to enjoy your own sexual experience with your partner or yourself or whatever it might be um and and not to say it's a it's a red flag kind of thing but just in my experience I don't use porn every time I'm having sex, you know, but I might just go, oh, this could be fun to do today and then do do that kind of thing, you know, so and introduce it. But equally, when I was, a, um, you know, an adolescent or a young teen growing up and not having exposure to that, I also went to, like I said, a private girls' school that there weren't boys around at school. So I wasn't in a situation where I was being flirted with. So I wasn't getting those experiences in my teenage years. And so when it did come to actually... Um, you know we'd have an organized dance like when you're in grade 10 where there was boys came to the school kind of thing parents came along and, and was chaperones kind of to allow you to have a, a night out with boys kind of in a controlled environment you just in in my experience because I was segregated from boys for the majority of my time I mean there's a huge benefit in it obviously being able to focus and do studying but that kind of stuff but one of the things that I missed was actually not having those interactions with boys, so not understanding how to relate to boys. or But even because I didn't have boys in my school, when I went to university, I actually found I was very self-conscious in classes. Like I remember the first week of university, I, I put my hand up and asked a question in class and a bunch of boys down the front just laughed at me and made made a joke of me in the class. And because I'd not been in a school where I was experienced learning with boys that intimidated me so much I stopped asking questions in my university lectures I put my hand down because I was afraid of being like ridiculed in front of people because I didn't understand these relationships with boys and girls you know it's all well and good to be able to give you giving me an education separate but then where do I get that experience I'm just kind of thrown into it in my adult years and having to try to figure it out and fit in and you know do what other people do and and just having no idea of what to do you know it's quite scary it's it is absolutely and you know what I think one of the reasons why I would never go out with an older man I mean even my husband now is 14 years younger than me is because when I used to hear of girls like when they were 18, for example, going out with a 26-year-old, a to me, that was that meant you had to do adult things. Like, you know, and to me, it's like, oh, no, I couldn't do any of that. You know, that's like, and, I, and even going out with a man of 40, a man of 40 would expect you to do, you know, going down on them and whatever or letting you. It's like, there was no way on this earth I was left ever. And, and the thing is, you see, because I felt that it was such a, a dirty thing, you know, going down on someone, it was like, I don't mean dirty as in dirt, I mean just a sexually un, unex, unacceptable kind of thing, yeah. that it would be like a special treat from me, you know, I would never, and, and in fact, 
if anyone wanted me to do it, I would break up with them because that is no, that's just too rude. That's just too, you know, it's it's terrible. I even went to the doctor once and I said, oh, and I'll tell you why I did that because I remember hearing about a girl who every, every on the first date or the first time they said that she'd do that. I was like, oh my God. Well, how come she can do that? It's like, I can't do that. It'd like take me six months to do something like that. I went to my doctor and I said, why don't, why can't I do that? And he laughed at me, which he shouldn't have done because mm. everyone's different. Everyone's different. But of course, what he didn't say to me is like, your upbringing has caused you to do that. Obviously, that's why mm. I felt like it was such mm. a bad thing to do. It's like a, a perfectly normal thing. I mean, look at the Romans. They had little brothels everywhere. It was open. It was acceptable. You could do whatever you... And in fact, same gender was acceptable yeah, yeah. then too. I mean, what happened? You know, yeah, the Romans were all Catholics, <laughs> weren't they? That's true. Yeah, that brings me to the other point, which is actually, I think, one of the reasons why it's seen as dirty is because, you know, prostitution has always been like the oldest profession in the world, right? And, and But it was always seen as a service to men and it was a thing that was done and it was and so when I grew up you know we were always taught society looks down on prostitution like I I remember even in Australia when they were starting to open up the sex uh, brothels they're basically brothels but they were limited to the number of people that you could have and there was all these rules about how you could have it and how far away from schools and industry and businesses and whatever they had to be in order to have a place where you could where you could go to have sex but because it, we've, we've still got these um, ideas and these things that we pass on these thoughts about prostitution and that it's actually not something that you should engage in like going to I used to go with my ex-husband to uh, clubs where girls would be you know dancing like strip clubs in Australia and th- and that sort of thing was fun and interesting and there were other women in there I wasn't the only woman going into these clubs but it's not seen as something that people do it's not it's it's very almost hidden away in the back streets of society where where you're not allowed to go and so then we make these ideas rules or these decisions to say prostitution is bad i sex is bad yeah and so that's why you know women women are prostitutes and women you know are bad and and that's the i guess the stigma that we're battling against as a woman as well that we can't just enjoy it and have fun that actually it's bad you're absolutely right and the thing is is that that's where me going to a sex party is bad if mm. i enjoy sex then i'm a tart yeah you know, and, and, and why shouldn't women enjoy it? You know, why, why shouldn't I enjoy it? But that's exactly how my mother, I mean, bless her heart, she's doing the right thing. She's doing what she thought was right. It's what she was taught. You know, it's not her fault, you know, that um, I shouldn't let, you know, I mean, she was right when she said, don't let a man take advantage of you. Don't let a man hit you. Yeah, okay, that was all correct. But, you know, it was just, I was just made to feel really bad, really bad about it all. And you know what, Marilyn? The moment I decided that I was going to just enjoy it. I was with my favourite FB and I was in this, I'd, I'd answered the door in this um, this beautiful lingerie with a big boa, what do they call those flat, those feather feathery, boa, yeah. feather boa, yeah, that's it. Had a hair all up and my, had loads of makeup on. I was, I wanted to look like a tart. I mean, I don't know what was going on with my sexual peak, but I was really, really sexual and I was really wanted to just me mm. rip him apart you know, sexually. So I opened the door and uh, and he saw me and I was like, so I was with him and he was my favourite at the time. He was a right pig, but I didn't care because I was just, I just wanted it for one thing as well. And so I was there and I just thought, oh, I'm just going to let myself go. And you know what? It was like electricity was going through me and I suddenly felt all shaky, all, all my skin was just all tingly all over. And I was like, wow, it's just like fireworks. Why? Didn't I let myself go before? Eh? Isn't it a shame? But then I think to myself, okay, if I had been like that before, then I would have had nothing to look forward to when I was older. You know, maybe, maybe it was all for a reason. I don't know. But I certainly, I remember my first kiss even. I was 12, actually. And I was at the party, same house as the girl with the other party. This was the first one. And I remember my, my friend, Eric, he goes to me, right, Caroline, open your mouth, right? Like this, like that. So open it like that. And he goes, he goes to kiss. He goes, no, it has to be a bit bigger than that. <laughs> a bit bigger. 
and then he goes and he puts these he goes oh. I said I thought I thought whoa is that what it feels like you know and so so that was my my first kiss and that was like okay that was really nice and after that I made a point of doing a lot of kissing as I really enjoyed that. You know, <laughs> I love that you had instructions of exactly yes. how to do it because, like, that never happened to me. You know, it was just like finding your way as you go, and everyone kisses differently, and everyone's lips are differently, and everyone's yeah. mouth is shaped differently. You know, and and it's, and you know, your teeth clash with each other. Yeah, know, like, or, or glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's so many funny movies about that kind of thing, but that those kind of things do happen and and I and I think we're kind of scared of that like oh what is it going to be happening and that's why we're doing it when we're children we're kissing another girl at school or we're kissing you know and you know our friends just trying to go oh what would it be like to kiss a boy because you're talking about boys and talking about relationships and talking about knowing that you know that's going to come in the in the future you know as a teenager I was reading Jackie Collins books and that was where I was learning you know my sex education and And thank goodness yeah beautiful books they were really wonderful like I read nearly a lot a big proportion of that series actually all her books there and even you know watching shows like Days of Our Lives and The Bold and the Beautiful and those in those days it was like you saw people having relationships breaking up relationships getting together having affairs like the whole thing was on TV in you know in those shows and they were interesting like you know and you were in the passion with those people when you were like you were like oh this is really nice how they're getting together and it's steamy and and nice and so they're the only other things that like were in my I guess available for me as a as a learning tool like like say there wasn't any talk about it at school we were told we're not allowed to touch we're not allowed to do things you're not allowed to kiss you don't have sex before marriage exactly all of those things that we you know we've already touched on and so when it's forbidden like that you're gonna do it you're gonna do it yeah you are gonna do it but you're a bit scared sometimes too because it's like a very naughty thing I mean Mm. I remember going back to school when we're doing the table tennis table after the table tennis table um, some of them would go to these flats and there was like a an area where the gardener would put all his stuff and it was like there were like holes in the walls a light came in but there were no windows and they'd ask me to stand guard you stand guard while they kissed, you yeah, know. Yeah. Isn't it funny the things that we did? But you know what? It's um it's incredible how we manage to get through. I mean, we still have issues. We all have issues. Some people don't. It really does. I was just talking to my friend who's come with me this weekend to Creamfields because I'm out, I'm in Chelmsford at the moment, I'm going to Creamfields Music Festival. And um and we were just saying my I mean this is not talking about sex about about food, but my relationship with food is completely different from her relationship with food because she's got a different upbringing about food like like I had school dinners and she didn't so her food and it's like God, it's the same with sex. Every mm. single person's upbringing will be different and they'll have a different outlook on it, different thoughts, different feelings, different fears about sex. Um, and yeah, like for example, we had a couple of sex explosions ago. I had my sexual therapy, uh, hold on, she's a sexual thera- uh, psychotherapist and she came on and talked about it. Now, her upbringing was extremely open and the way her mother taught, like, my dad, when I said to him, I was 12, what would dad, what does, what does um, erotic mean? He goes, go and ask your mother. So my mother said, go and ask your father. So I went back to dad and I said, mum's just sent me back to you. He goes, well, erotic means, right? That was my sex education from my parents. My friend, however, the sexual psychotherapist mother, she was an artist and the mother drew everything when they were quite young it was very open they'd even walk around naked it was not it's very Roman I'd say actually the way they were brought up because it was all open there was nothing that was taboo nothing that was hidden like I've never seen my dad you know I've seen my mum's boobs I never really saw her downstairs but that's how it was you couldn't you couldn't even you, you weren't to show each other you know, whereas in her household, so for her, being a sexual psychotherapist was normal. She said, no, it's, it's, it was absolutely fine for me. So when I told her my upbringing, she's like, well, unfortunately, a lot of people have that kind of upbringing. So their ideals on sex are going to be like yours, very similar to yours, you know. So yeah, my, my dad, he used to have a shower and walk through the house naked. We, You know, it was open in our household when I was young. And oh, right. I, I saw my mum naked as well. Like, you know, my dad 
was always talking about like nudist colonies and nudist beaches like that he ever went oh, but wow. I went actually when I was a you know um a young adult kind of thing so so I mean it's interesting because now that we're talking about this is like there were all these rules that I was like kind of like locked into but then there was this other aspects probably that I did see kind of like obviously you know see my dad walk from the shower to his room without his clothes on and when he was going to bed or um and, and even like I remember there's one story my dad says to me he says we, we tried to get you kids to go out and play one afternoon so that mum and I could have some time together and you little buggers were under the window listening and we could no. hear you talking to yeah talking no. to your friends like you know, you know about what's trying to hear what's going on and they were just laughing at us like as little teen little children and we would have been like primary school trying to listen to mum and dad having sex on a Sunday afternoon or whatever it was but did you know what it was no I don't ah. really like well, I don't I don't wreck I mean I, the dad told me the story I completely even forgot about it but you know even I, I found when I was um, at home we found my dad had a calendar of naked women and naked ladies like the you know calendar that you could get in those days and we all used to me and my, my friends across the road and, and my brother we'd all sneak down to the shed to see where dad's calendar was <laughs> and have a look at these I've got calendar a good girls. you know what my dad used to have Paul magazines in his bottom bedside cabinet drawer. And we, yeah. I'd often go in there and have a rip through there and have a look and wonder why we've got them. But actually also, I actually caught my parents. I think I must have been about seven. I, I, I was small and I wanted to go downstairs for a drink. And the door was ajar. And I could see that the lights were off, but the light of the telly, you know, I could see the white of the telly, you know, light in the room. And I was thinking, ooh, and I could hear the telly on. Yeah. And I remember slowly pushing the door open and looking. And I saw my mum and dad were, were doing it doggy style. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, my parents are having sex. And I just put the door back and just went upstairs. And I was thinking about it for ages, thinking, ooh. And at one point, I do remember, now I'm a teenager now, a teenager, I don't know. 15 something like that and really understanding now what adults do right and every oh it's just terrible every time I saw my aunties or uncles I remember thinking "Ooh, you put your willy inside her and thinking "Ooh," unluckily it didn't last very long but every time I looked at anyone I was thinking "Ooh," he puts his willy inside you know isn't that terrible for me I, I mean know. where and does that, that come from that's another thing you just brought up you know people think like you know if, if their parents like or the thought of their parents having sex and yeah know, I did see my parents you know a couple of times like you know because our house was fairly open anyway it's interesting because like even though I had some exposure over my years I was never given the tools to support me in what it was going to be like when I was going to start that and there was always my, my parents were always afraid that you know I might have sex before marriage and might end up pregnant you know outside of school and that was why Same. it was so strict in my household I wasn't allowed to go to parties with other kids I wasn't allowed to go out at night time if there was going to be boys there I wasn't allowed to go to friends wow. house like oh there was one girl I was friends with and there was like they were um kind of like seen as like a promiscuous family so because we were so catholic some of us girls were not allowed to go and stay at their place kind of thing eventually I was as you know as I got older kind of thing but one girl definitely wasn't you know so there was so much strictness around trying to control and keep the children safe from sex it just meant that we didn't get to experience life properly we didn't you, you get thrown into situations where you don't know how to set rules or boundaries and you don't know how to say no and I think that's I guess one of the things that's harder for me is that like, so you then, I mean, because I was seeing all these things, I was making up ideas. So I was making up this idea that my dad objectified women or men objectify women, right? Kind of thing. And so for me, I was under the illusion that women don't enjoy sex and that you're there for the pleasure of a man. Same. And, you know, and, and, and so my experiences started out pretty badly from that perspective, you know, no it enjoyment is. from me. No, and the thing is, is that that's exactly why it was a treat for them if I gave, if I went down on them, you know. Mm. And mm. and I, and I remember um, thinking, so I did used to, I did used to enjoy it, and I felt bad about it. I felt bad for enjoying it because I'm a tart. Then I'm mm. a tart, so I would make a point of not. Oh, it's just terrible. And the other thing I was going to say was that if through my twenties, if any man looked at me. Like a piece of meat, 
object. There was nowhere on this earth that I go, they'll let them come anywhere near me. If they didn't do that and they treated me like, I suppose, like with respect, I guess, is what, what I'm trying mm. to say. Then they had every chance and I was hard to get because, mm. I, because I've been taught that it's such a bad thing. And, I, and, and honestly, it made me feel sick if they looked at me like I was a piece of meat. But Marilyn... When I got to my sexual peak, I loved it. I lapped it up. I was thinking, yes, you look at me like that because I'm going to eat you alive is what I used to think. You know, it's complete opposite. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, oh, my goodness me. And I used to go out with my friend who was an air stewardess. And I, and, and I, I, I don't know if uh, you've ever had any air stewardess friends or anything like that. But all, all the girls that I knew from Gatwick... They all were absolute, what I would say was tarts then. Because they, women's sexual peak comes later, but these girls were really on it. And they would be doing it left, right, and so they wouldn't, didn't even know who the person was they'd wake up with in the morning. And I was the only one that was different. I was the only one. And I remember my friends saying, oh, I really admire you because you, you can say no. But mm. the only reason why I would say no is because I, I didn't want them to. Part of it was I didn't want them to want me to go down them or anything like that. It was like, I, I, I just didn't want to do stuff like that. I was scared of it. I was actually scared of it. I was actually frightened of, uh, of not being, you know, first of all, I felt like it's a great big thing inside my mouth and doing it right. And, you know, oh, it was just such a whole heap of things going on in my head that I would just not want to do it anyway. So it's a combination of, of reputation, a combination of fear. It's just, I mean, what the hell? My poor mind, my poor body, everything was just a, a mess, really, until I woke up and just thought, hang on a minute. And it's only consciousness that helped me with that. You know, it's only, it's, if, if it wasn't for learning about consciousness, you know, and understanding that it's what I've been programmed to, to believe as a child that I realized, oh, okay, then this, this isn't quite as bad as I thought, you know, it's just all been made up in my head. Yeah. I also had another experience actually when I was first at uni and I had sex with this one person one evening and he went back and he, he told his friends and they actually gave me a name at uni. They call me starfish because I didn't know how to have sex. I didn't know how to move or do anything in sex right again I didn't have any experience and I didn't have anyone talking to me about it so and they would oh. they honestly they were just they would all just talk and gossip about me at uni that's and so, terrible yeah and so you know these are the the things that are occurring in my early psyche around sex and stuff that it's you know it's bad you can't do it like you're not allowed to and then people laughing at me and you know not, not God, it's teaching. a whole whole a whole load of different things that were just putting a big block on it all right yeah, exactly. And actually, then he told one of his mates to have sex with me to teach me how to have sex. Like it was like it was almost like I was a like passed around, so to speak, like, you know, in those in that very first few experiences. So these are setting up my sexual experiences when Jeez. I'm you know, having this, you know, in, in the very beginning. Um, and so it took me a long time to really get to enjoy sex and and experience things or experiment or even, you know, I guess, talk about it with people and stuff and learn about it again we didn't have anyone telling me how to have sex or showing me or there, there isn't any, there were certainly in our sex education at school, we actually taught how to get, how to look after a baby, how to, what happens when you have a baby. It was almost like, it was almost like the after sex. Yes. Like, like there wasn't the, how do you have intercourse? How does a man, you know, penetrate a woman? What is, what, what about foreplay? What about all the other things that get you into a relaxed state so that you're going to have a nice experience and you're going to participate and enjoy it. And the things that I do today, you know, completely different to what you know I was experiencing in the very early days. And also when I hit my sexual peak as well, it was like you, I was like, you know, I had great sex, you know, it was wild and trying all these things and dressing up like you did and, you know and opening the door dressed up in the thing or going across town to see someone with the coat on it <laughs> underneath it you know it's like the fun things that you do it's like you know there's role playing and stuff and so that never happened to me till later in life till I you know left my husband and broke up my marriage and started you know experiencing again because again I started my relationship with my husband from university so I was 20 yeah. I was 20 with very limited sexual experience going into a marriage that I was in for 20 years basically <sighs> missing out on all that experimenting time in the beginning and also didn't get to experiment because I was a Catholic school 
and I was segregated from boys and I wasn't allowed to go out with boys. So my experiences were so limited when I was on campus at uni. You know, there was a period of time in when, when I first went to university that I would just go out, drink, have um, meet someone, take them back to my room, have sex with them, and then just say, can I see you again? And I'm like, no. I, I literally was not, like, interested in or, or even – I was immature in relationships and understanding that I would just go and find someone to have sex with. And I was like, no, I don't want to see you again. Like, I was – it was almost like I've done it now. I can't see you anymore kind of – Yeah, isn't that, isn't that funny how it's that's, – that's a little bit how it was with me when I was mm. in my sexual peak. I literally just – I had a different man for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was like just crazy um but what I was going to say was that once I had discovered this I made a point of experimenting and in fact that's why my friend does sex parties is to help women discover themselves it's to help women learn their own Mm. explore their own sexuality instead of having to go to let's say for example going to a bar chat someone up and you know and it cuts out all that rubbish and it's just you just go there and she gives them she provides them with a uh, a safe environment you know why you're there you meet a man in there and you think, right, let's get on with it. And I think that is fantastic for women. You know, a lot of people have the bad idea about sex parties. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still quite taboo, really. You know, mm. it's like an underground um, world of of swingers and all that stuff. Because it's just something you don't talk about. It's like I knew some people swinging every weekend. They would they would have to watch EastEnders so they could go back to their family and say, oh, yeah, we watched this on Sunday. But actually what they were doing was 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 having, you know, people around first orgies. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's incredible how um, I've come such a long way um, and now able to speak. I don't know why I speak about it so easily. I always have spoken about it easily, but it's good because you see what's happened on my TikTok and talk when I talk about these things, all these different, I've talked about fetishes, I've talked about self-orgasm, as I've mentioned, I've talked about car sex, I've talked about everything. And what's really interesting is that people are commenting now and they're realizing actually they're not the only ones that are having the same you see and that's what's really lovely it's because I'm talking about it they're thinking oh my god you know uh, you know it is something that other people do I'm not I'm not different I, I am no, I am normal exactly yeah yeah I mean the fetish that my husband used to do with me you know other people have written and saying oh I secretly like this and I I'm not asked that you know I, I didn't ask anyone because it's like well just ask you know if, if they want to do it they'll do it if not they won't do it you know it's a choice and um there's no harm in sharing that 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 fetish if no one likes it fine but then you'll find somebody who want to do it so it's interesting isn't it and I really hope that Things like this podcast, things like my TikToks actually help liberate those uh, locked up fears, fears and blockages that people have got. And we're going to go off to the music festival shortly. (laughs) My friends just come in. Um, Anyway, listen, it's been over an hour now. Uh, It's been absolutely amazing talking to Marilyn. I really, really appreciate you coming back. And I'm sure the audience appreciate you coming back and speaking your truth. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. (laughs) Okay, take care, Marilyn. Thank you very much. And well, we'll I'm sure you come back again and speak about something else because you've got loads more to say, I know. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Take care, Marilyn. Uh,